we're going to visit Los Angeles author Heli Lee, who's 1.5 generation Korean American. Several years ago, Heli spent two harrowing years in China and in Seoul planning to help her mother's family defect from North Korea. She wrote a best-selling book about the experience called In the Absence of Sun, as well as a memoir of her family's life during the Korean War called Still Life with Rice, a tribute to her grandmother. Helly's latest undertaking is a one-woman theater performance that mixes documentary and fiction video about her journey to present herself as a man. Macho Like Me opens this week in West Hollywood at the Coast Playhouse. I visited a rehearsal to talk with Helly Lee about her show. Let me just cut to the chase. I'm 39, unmarried, and have Korean parents. My life is a living hell. My parents have become so frantic about my advancing age and lack of appropriate suitors that they're secretly plotting to get me a husband. I find out they're mass mailing my headshot to their friends and their friends' friends, even all the way back to Korea. Never mind the photo was taken back when I was 25, stress-free, wrinkle-free, and still perky. In the Bible, Adam and Eve got married and have children. You are not 20 or 30s. You are become a 40s. You have to marry soon. Yeah, that's right. You have to marry right away. See what I mean? Right time, right chance, right opportunity. Take it. You wait too long to get your husband. Go find one right away. Then you don't have to worry about when you car break down. You just ride at home, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Harry, mom and I praying for you every day. Yeah, I need the grandchildren. <laughs> when the prospective husbands come sniffing around, my parents are thrilled. Thank God I'm married because that, you know, that's all they talk about. But that's what my show is also about. You know, when I did this, I was not married. Um, that was the center focus of their lives, is getting their children married, especially their daughters, because without marriage, what are we? True story. During the rescue, I'm standing at the border of China, staring across into North Korea. I see my uncle and his family. They look starved in the clothes and rags. I'm thinking, how are we going to get them out of this horrible country? There are border guards with rifles ready to shoot anyone trying to escape. Just then, from across the river, I hear, Is Heli married? <laughs> no, she hasn't married yet. My father announces to everyone. And so that frustration, that angst and anger um, was percolating and building up. And I thought, damn, I'm going to be a guy. Why the hell not? You know, if I could rescue nine people from North Korea, I could certainly become a man. So that's what I did. And I'm so glad I did it. So much of your writing embraces the realm of what it is to be a Korean woman in the United States with such a rich history. And just to be in this piece, which is about becoming a man, in what way is it really about being an Asian man in the United States? It started off as an Asian man piece because in my culture, you know, men 
I thought men definitely had it better. You know, they inherit all the money, they inherit the name, they don't have to wash a dish in the house, at least in my family they don't. Um, they get all these privileges and benefits, and they didn't even have to earn them. <laughs> Why can I have been born a male? If I were a man, my worth would not be based upon marital status, but what I have achieved. If I were a man, no one, not parents, not boyfriends, not society would ever impose limits on me. Life would be so sweet. Then it hits me. I'll become a man. Oh, why not? Why not become a man? If I can rescue nine people from North Korea, I could certainly become a man. Yes, I'm really going to do it. I'm gonna cut my hair, change my clothes, and live as a guy. It's going to be awesome! <laughs> but I have to tell you, passing was not as easy as I had originally thought. I was very cocky about the idea. I thought, once I cut my hair, put a footie inside my pants, change into men's clothes, it was gonna be bang, 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 no problem. But the process of transforming from a female to a male was quite um, a study. It took me a while to master the transformation. And once I transformed, I went from a process of be being heli to a um, very masculine looking woman to someone who was very androgynous, who was neither man or woman. I was, I, literally walk that gender line. And then um, I transform from someone who's very genderless to someone who is a very young looking gay guy. And then eventually I just passed as a guy, a straight guy. I decide that Harry will be a young 25 year old documentary filmmaker because it's a good way to explain the camera following me around. <laughs> Why 25? I assure you it isn't for vanity. As a guy, I'm small, and without facial hair, I look pubescent. <laughs> Hi. Luckily, I'm an Asian guy. I can get away with not having a five o'clock shadow. <laughs> so don't I look more like a guy with my yeah. glasses on? Yeah, you do. But you know, I didn't want the nerdy effect. I wanted to go for like a cool guy. <laughs> Ain't happening. <laughs> but. He isn't a total lost cause. He's a diamond in the rough with a little TLC. I believe that Harry could come into his manhood. And my story unravels and unfolds and takes twists and turns over six months. Originally, I was only supposed to do it for about 10 weeks. I thought I could do it, get in, prove my point that men have a better ha ha ha, and then get out of it and nail myself back on that cross as a martyr, as a female martyr. But as I approached the 10 week mark, I realized, wow, this is really hard. I just started passing. I was just scratching the surface of the male experience. I needed to go further or I could quit now and call it a day and learn absolutely nothing or um, go forward and maybe I might just learn something and maybe it might alter my life. So I bit the bullet and I decided to go forward. And what did you do? What was the act that you performed? What was the thing that sort of made you 
physically and psychologically change. The thing that I learned that allowed me to pass was that men don't move very much, nor do they express themselves with their bodies, their hands, their eyes, their mouth. And so once I learned to tone everything down, um, talk less, move less, show less facial expression, the more I started to pass as a guy. It was, and the less I cared about what I looked like, the more believable I became. And in terms of what you looked like, you went through quite a few things that appeared I was not an attractive show. guy. I have to admit that, and that's, that very much hurt my ego. But you cut your hair. I cut my hair, and I had you know hair down to my lower back, and I cut it off um, to about an inch buzz. And, um, and your voice? I had, the voice was the most difficult. I was thinking about what medical options there were out there, but then I didn't want to go that route because it would totally alter who I was. And there are two men who figure really prominently in your story, your father being one of them, and David Hyun, mm -hmm. who's an architect mm -hmm. of, uh, he designed Little Tokyo, in right. the, the tower in Little Tokyo uh, in Los Angeles. Am I right in understanding that there are certain sort of inspiration for you in doing this project and sort of underpinning why you did it and what it means? Well, this project is dedicated to my father um, and my brother. All the projects that I write about happen to center around women and their issues. This is the first project that I get to do about men, and it's refreshing for me. And I, you know, I dedicate it to my father, my brother. Um, I also dedicate it to David Hen, who in my journey was my mentor and my surrogate father. He was 83. He was a retired architect, very successful, very powerful and rich at a time in his life when he was working. Now he's retired, he's older. Hello? Hi, David, this is H. Oh, come on in, H. This is David Hen, a retired architect. At the age of 83, David wants to use his remaining time to write his memoir. A memoir, personal stuff. I want the job so badly. Plus, Spending time with a mature man who has less testosterone surging through his body sounds like a dream. He felt like he has lost his masculinity. He has lost the ability to, um, to make money, to um, romance his wife, to, um, to have his community rally around him and stuff like that. And so in his retiring years in 83, he was trying to find his manhood again. And I think that's why we became such good friends is because he was trying to recapture his manhood and I was simply just trying to find my manhood. And he trusted me and he embraced me because at the age of 83, he had spent most of his life working that he didn't have a network of friends like his wife did. So I became his best friend. And all of that put together, um, it'll open dialogue between men and women, couples, between mother and son, father and son. Um, Who's your audience? Who do you hope will come and see your show? The wonderful thing about Macho Like Me is the show is, the audience is everybody. It's not just for one group, you know. Um, I, sh I demoed it in at a senior citizen home. I took it to high schools and colleges just to test it out. I took it to um, ethnic 
organizations, and everybody got it. I was so surprised. In fact, I thought it was a drama. And then I started reading from the script, and people kept laughing at the same places, and people kept laughing more and more. And I thought, my god, this is the comedy. Well, Halili, thank you very much for inviting us to your rehearsal on the eve of your premiere tour. Thank, thank you. you. Enjoy. <laughs>